<laughs> That's such a good question. I love that you asked it. So you are actually contributing to the pollution at the moment you're buying the thing, not at the moment you're throwing it away, right? And that is something that we don't realize. Mm-hmm. Like it's the fact that you are already buying it. And what difference does it make if it's in your house or if it's like in a landfill? And of course it does make a difference, but like it's already on planet earth. And that's something that one book that I was reading um, from a minimalist, like that was the thing that really helped me personally to be like, so you're making your house a landfill. How is that different? Mm. Right. And so that was just like that break thing to be like, that thing is already on planet earth. That piece of plastic or that piece of clothing already exists. It just exists in your house, right? And the fact that you went and bought this, and of course we need things, right, to live. It's totally fine to buy things. But it's about, you know, okay, how much are you buying? Like, and why are you buying? Hi there and welcome to another episode of Shift to Chibra. I am your host Shibraminati. I'm a professional astrologer, Akashic Records reader, as well as a hypnotist in training. And on this podcast, we have conversations on topics that nourish the mind, body and soul. And for today's conversation, we're going to be speaking with Lucy. Now, Lucy is the owner of Your Space by Lucy. She is a professional organizer. Now, I cannot tell you when I first came across Marie Kondo's work, I can't even tell you where it may have come up. But I remember reading her book and then watching her Netflix special, Netflix series. And I was so blown away by this that it has become a thing. And you'll soon discover when we talk to Lucy today that actually this has been there for a while. It's probably been there since the 70s, I think is what she said. So it's been there for a while, but it just seems like... I'm only discovering this recently. And when I discovered Lucy is a professional organizer, I knew I had to get her on the show. So much we've been told so often that, you know, our environment does affect our mental state, our emotional state, and therefore then in turn also affects our health as well. And Lucy's going to come on to explain a little bit more. So Lucy is a somatic and yoga practitioner, and she then took a journey into organizing, really leading through curiosity and just sort of a passion of hers, which then led her to actually have a certificate in organizing as well, in professional organizing organizing. So Lucy's coming on here to talk about what it is to be a professional organizer, how having a professional organizer can really help you and which kinds of people would benefit the most out of professional organizing. And just what's the connection between having an organized space and environment and how that's going to better your life. And she's going to share a few tips as well as some stories on how professional organizing has helped some of her clients. So thank you so much for joining on today's podcast. And I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Hi, Lucy. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. I'm so happy that you agreed to come on and talk about your work and your work of basically being a professional organizer or declutterer. This is a subject that I've always wanted to explore, especially ever since I saw Marie Kondo's, you know, TV series. I read her books before that, then I saw a TV series and 
I remember the day it came, I was just like, be right back. I'm going to binge watch the entire thing now. (laughs) Because I just see the power, the power of, you know, keeping your space clean is therefore going to have an effect on the personality as well. Can you tell us maybe for those people who don't know, what is a professional organizer or a declutterer? Funny that you're saying declutterer. I've never used that word. I, I find it a very hard word to pronounce. Anyway, so professional organizer is, it's much broader than you think. And there is also many more people that you actually think like, as you mentioned Marie Kondo, you think, oh, maybe there's a Marie Kondo and maybe there is like home edit and stuff. But actually the professional organizing branch has been there for quite a long time. It's nice. still relatively new, but I would say it kind of started in the 70s in America as a sort of like contradiction to the amount of serialism that suddenly like started. And from there, we also developed this whole branch of professional organizers that are helping people with different like brain differences. So neurodiverse community like ADHD, like autism spectrum, like OCD, like just so much. So basically professional organizers are anyone who are like helping other people how to organize their life. And I would say the goal for everyone is to make your life simpler. Yeah. So my goal for my clients is to basically just simplify their life. I'm not trying to impose any particular system on them or any, you know, particular way how to fold their clothes, but just to make their life simpler. And we are trying to achieve that by looking at, you know, what can you simplify in your life? Like, how can you organize and and it can be organization of house. It can be organization of space, which is what I do. It can be organization of time. It can be organization of a business. Mm-hmm. So, and then in, in that branch, then people have different names, right? So you can call yourself a productivity coach. And most of us who are working with, with space and stuff, we call ourselves professional organizers. But then there is a whole association, which is sort of like worldwide for our network, which is called NAPO. It's from America and it's National Association for Productivity and Organization. There is like just so many people and everybody has such a specific niche. But yeah, you know, so it's like professional organization, actually something much bigger than you think. So what, what I do is that I organize people's spaces. So it's the relationship of the space, the stuff and the person itself, which is really important. So like your lifestyle, And how can we bring that all together to make sure that it's all coherent and aligned, right? So you have the space that reflects who you are. You have the things that reflect who you are. Let's say you're not drowning yourself in the past or, you know, you're you're just aligned. And yeah, and that that should make your life simpler and more joyful and, and all of that. Okay, so then tell me how is that related then when you do that sort of organization? How does it then make your life simpler and more joyful and things like that? What's the correlation? Right. So, uh, (laughs) okay. There is like so many aspects that you can look at. So for example, how can it make your life simpler? Like the the simplest thing. And And it's very practical, you know, like there is no sense to it. It's like knowing where your things are is already making your life simpler. And I go to a lot of houses and I mean, especially parents with kids, my very typical category and you know if your whole house exploded and you need to go somewhere and you can't find your keys and your wallet and your passport and I would have ADHD clients who bought everything like five times just because that particular thing got lost in their own house Mm. so it's a lot of stress it's a lot of time that you spend for searching for things and also it can really impact you financially 
So if you have your house organized, if you know where your things are, for example, you don't have to buy things again. Very common thing is food. Mm. I keep decluttering a lot of food that is beyond its expiry date or, you know, potatoes that gone liquid, like just so much stuff. And a lot of the times people think like, yeah, I'll buy things in bulk. You know, I'll buy things that are cheaper. They are on offer. And I just stuff my closet, like my cupboards with it. But then they have so much that they don't see on the back anymore. And most of the food goes wrong. And that's always like breaking my heart when I see how many things go to the bin all the time. And then you've lost a lot of money on that. And it also makes you feel sad. Mm. That sort of relates to the second part of, you know, why would it make your life more joyful? So this is the practical thing. I would say, you know, efficiency and just simplicity. I mean, who, who doesn't want to have a simpler life, right? I always say to my clients, life is very difficult already. So why don't you make it simpler for yourself? You know, why don't you stay who you are and organize your house just the way that it supports who you are? You don't have to be changing your habits for it, but like, let's just make it a little bit more simple for you. And then the joyful part and the happier part, I would say that relates very much to like emotions. If you are surrounding yourself with things that you have mixed emotions about, it does impact you when you see those things. So I will I will be probably giving you a lot of examples because that's, that's the best thing how I can explain it. the best things. way that other people will understand too, for sure. Please exactly. go ahead. I was working with a wonderful, like super smart woman. She was a neuroscientist. And when she lived back in her home country, so I work with a lot of expats. I'm, I'm based in, in the Netherlands in Amsterdam, but I, I work with a lot of expats. And So this lady, when she was back in her country, she was, you know, she was a neuroscientist and she was teaching at a university and, you know, she had a lot of respect. And then she came here and because she doesn't speak Dutch language and because she doesn't have Dutch papers, Dutch university and and all of that, they, you know, she has a really hard time finding job. And when I opened her wardrobe, it was filled with beautiful dresses that she used to wear that she would wear for her TED talk, that she would wear for her university, that she would wear when she goes and speaks somewhere. And every day she would open that closet when she wants to go and get dressed. And she sees these dresses and every day it's a reminder of how much her life isn't as nice as it used to be. So what we did is we, we didn't get rid of those dresses, right? Like it's fine, but let's just remove it from your eyesight. So you don't have the hello every day. Like hi, well, you haven't worn me for a long time. You know, how do you feel about it? You know, you're just wearing your jeans. So that's the emotional part. Like it can be whatever, you know, it can be the, I think this is a very good example. It can be just so much. It can be things from your past. It can be things you're hoping to be doing. So I have a lot of people, for example, a lot of people who are very creative, they have a lot of creative ideas. They want to do things and then they start gathering materials for whatever they want to be doing but they don't have time for whatever reason. And this material is just sitting in their home. And every time they pass it, it's this like, oh, this is what I wanted to do. I want, I want to be doing this, but I don't have time. And I didn't make a time for myself. And it's just this self-talk that keeps happening inside of you. And I think people who are watching your podcast or anyone in the, you know, in the somatic world or in the world that we are interested in the mind, Everybody can know how much this self-talk affects you. So yep. any like any object that you see, there is a story to it. 
or most of them. And the story will have certain emotion coming with it. And that emotion then will trigger a mental self-talk. And the mental self-talk will then affect how you feel in your daily life. So, you know, how can we make your life simple and as like emotionally charged with the positive emotions rather than like reminding of something that just doesn't feel you so great, that doesn't lift you up. Yeah, no, I'm I'm so glad you also brought up somatic because in the introduction, I, I mentioned that you are a yoga practitioner as well as a somatic practitioner. For those who may not understand what is somatic, you know, practitioner, what is that exactly? And then how have you incorporated those into your work? Yeah, so somatics, I think most people see somatics very much as body practice, like exercise, so Feldenkrais, Alexander Technique and, and stuff like that. But basically, I would say that the general field of somatics is interested in the relationship of the mind and the body. And, you know, it is one thing, right? And so it doesn't even talk about like, is there a connection between mind and body? But it's like, there is a connection. And how can we work with the body to affect the mind and vice versa? But what also is included in somatics, and I think a lot of people don't talk about it, is the space. So... Mm. Actually, and that's something that, so I, I've studied a lot of Moshe Feldenkrais, which he has his own Feldenkrais method modality. And in his books, he actually talked quite a bit about the environment and the influence of the environment on the human body and hence the human mind. So, and it's funny because I didn't realize that myself. So I was so obsessed with the body and the mind and the body and the mind. And I knew that the body is being affected by the environment. It just didn't click so well. So then when I stopped doing, so I, I was, you know, I was working with Daphne who was here on the podcast and she's a somatic practitioner and, and a yoga therapist. And we were working together and we were, you know, putting together some retreats. And it's actually funny because on that retreat, I was teaching a class about how does the environment influence you, the way you're standing on your feet and the way you feel inside yourself. You know, like if you are in an environment that you really don't like, you tend to sort of brace yourself. And then that, of course, is triggered by a certain nervous system pattern, right? And then, and if you have nice and nourishing and safe environment, and safe is like such an important word, right? Then you just tend, tend to relax much more and you can get into that part of your nervous system where you're just like resting and digesting your food and, you know, and you can be creative, you can have new ideas, you can be creator and not just like surviving. I don't want to go too much into somatics, but so I have been teaching this class and I was realizing how much environment influences you. And then when I stopped working and, and collaborating with Daphne and I just said, you know, I'm going to take this business of organizing like full on, I was almost feeling like I should apologize to her. And I was feeling like I'm cheating on somatics if I start doing professional organizing. Because had you already been trained in professional organizing yet? No, no. But, right. you know, it's like I started doing it. Right. And just it, naturally, you just started doing it. Exactly. Well, the, the thing was, by that time, I was an au pair for a family and I was moving all around the world. And that's how I got to Asia as well. And we moved five different houses with a big family and a lot of stuff. And by the time we were moving to the fifth house, I was organizing it from 80%. And I was so excited every day when we were moving in. And my boss, just she just let me organize the whole house. And because she knew that I, I love it so much. And then one day she came to me and she was like, you should do this professionally. Like, this is so great what you're doing. And there is a lot of people who could appreciate your help. So then I started 
sort of reaching out to people and I was just organizing like friends or like this mom, you know, and, and this mom and I was already kind of helping. And then of course, I didn't even know when she said you should do this professionally. I didn't even hear about Marie Kondo by that time. So then I started watching the Netflix series and I was like, oh my God, this is an actual thing. And then I found out there is this whole platform for professional organizers. So it was sort of happening at the same time. I was quitting my job as an au pair. I was starting this business and I was hoping to still work with somatics at the same time. And then I just decided to only focus on one thing. So then I was messaging back to Daphne and saying like, I'm sorry, I think I'll stop our collaboration. I feel really bad about it. I, I feel like I'm not doing somatics anymore. You know, just this identity crisis. Yeah. And she said to me like, you are doing somatics. This is somatics. Like, don't forget about it. This is all related. And that was such a relief for me to know like, oh, I, I am still me, you know? And it's something I don't talk about so much with my clients. Like I do talk about, you know, this affects you mentally. But for me, having that mind and body connection, like knowing their space also affects them physically. I don't talk about it so much, but it's just all goes hand in hand, right? Yeah. Like. With every emotion we feel, we adopt certain body posture and then we create certain tension in the body, you know? So, and the reason why I was in somatics is because I just wanted to, like, I'm fascinated by people and, you know, how can we function the best we can? And so just this whole world of well-being, basically. And I feel like making a change in one's life is really difficult and you can make the change on many different levels. So you can make the change on on a mental level on a physical level on a spiritual level but also you can make the change on just the environmental level like and i feel like that's the easiest entry so that's right. hmm. so you know it's the easiest thing to change your environment and i would say if you want to bring about a holistic change for everything this is the easiest thing to start with and then so this is where now some people are going to be faced with their belief systems, their subconscious patterning, you know, because part of reorganizing your space involves throwing things away and letting go. And the concept that, oh my God, I'm such a horrible person because I'm adding to the environment's problem of dumping and pollution. And so it's a very interesting thing, right? When you go in, you almost have to be detached from it and just go, we're just clearing this out. Basically for tips for people who are listening to this, how can they break that? Because I think that's, I know that's a big thing for me. I know this is a huge thing in my household. I'm not even going to name names, but it's huge. It's a huge thing for so many people. We have you know, the subconscious patterning is that because we have maybe generations have grown up with very little, where things were very hard to come by. And then when you have these things, you're telling yourself you must hold on to it. Otherwise, by throwing it away, you're wasting it slash adding to pollution because that's now a present, you know, issue. And then this guilt and all of that starts to you know, play like a loop in your head. And then you're just like, you know what? It's overwhelming. I don't want to, I don't want to face it. So what would you say then? <laughs> that That's such a good question. I love that you asked it. So you are actually contributes to the pollution at the moment you're buying the thing, not at the moment you're throwing it away. Right. And that is something that we don't realize. Mm. Like it's the fact that you are already buying it. 
And what difference does it make if it's in your house or if it's like in a landfill? And of course it does make a difference, but like it's already on planet earth. And that's something that one book that I was reading um, from a minimalist, like that, that was the thing that really helped me personally to be like, so you're making your house a landfill. How is that different? Mm. Right. And so that was just like that break thing to be like, that thing is already on planet earth. That piece of plastic or that piece of clothing already exists. It just exists in your house, right? And the fact that you have, you went and, and bought this, and of course we need things, right, to live. It's totally fine to buy things, but it's about, you know, okay, how much are you buying? Like, and why are you buying? Are you trying to fill in a void? So I do have few people who I know they're, you know, they're shopping because they actually don't feel great about themselves. I had a, a girl who just, told me like, I am a shopaholic and, and I really need help. And I was helping her, you know, declutter that. And it was such a huge confrontation for her. So it's fine to buy things like totally okay. But yeah, how much are you buying and why is the most important thing? And the, the, the whole decluttering process is actually really great at this because that huge self-confrontation is sometimes for some people can be like so cathartic that it will slightly change their behavior. And you will then think twice mm -hmm. when you want to be buying something. And, and yeah, it's like you are contributing to the landfill at the moment you're buying it, not at the moment you are decluttering it. So it's just, you don't realize it. So the decluttering yeah. actually helps to sort of shed light on that. Yeah, because then, you know, some people are going to argue, well, if I'm buying it, I'm keeping it in my house and technically it's not in the landfill. So I'm definitely not adding to pollution. That, that like everything we are decluttering with my clients, we are trying our best for the thing not to end in pollution. Like, not. So, for example, when we are decluttering clothing, we are throwing it in a textile containers. We are throwing it in like bagged up, making sure it's not going to get damp. It's not going to get dirty so it can be reused. And then actually Amsterdam has a really great system where you have these containers almost everywhere. And then you, you know, I mean, just for clothing, you put the clothes in and they will resell it in charity. But also if you put in a clothing that cannot be resold because it's dirty or it's like broken or like stained, or it's like one shoe out of a pair, something like that, uh, they will actually recycle it for the raw material. And that's the really nice thing. So they, they sell what they can sell. And then from the profit, they do the whole recycling process and then they start selling it as a raw material. So for example, you have heating insulation or sound insulation and all of these things are actually made of textile. Ooh. So you don't have to think about clothing in terms of, you know, it just has to be, oh, I need to throw it in a bin because this t-shirt is ripped. It's like, no, it's now you can see it as a material. And then there is many creative centers around here where people are like, you know, artists and they're making arts and crafts with different things. So you can even reuse like plastic bottles. You can actually like, there is a place near Amsterdam in a smaller city and you can bring them almost anything and they will create, repurpose it. And it's for all of these people who are interested in doing all of these crafts at home and they are keeping all of that material, like all of those yogurt cups and stuff, it's like they can just go to that place. It's called Moizoi in Harlem for if, if someone is watching from there. And they can just go there and then buy like a whole trolley full of 
yogurt cups and wow. you know and, and beer lips and and whatever and then they can create whatever they want to do with it so when we are throwing away things we are throwing them away like as mindfully as possible so like mm-hmm. everything is recycled like paper you know glass plastic anything that can be reused is reused because we're putting it in a second hand shops and there is also quite a good network of secondhand shops. And, you know, if you have a bulky furniture, they, they even come to your house and pick it up for free. Yeah, no, that, that I mean, so that really makes sense, I think. And that's amazing that it happens. And I, I mean, I want to move to Amsterdam tomorrow now. Like, you know, like that's, that's amazing that you have an infrastructure that works like that. And I think that so many countries need to really like, you know, kick up their sustainability and their sort of like recycling efforts. Because I think there's like here, there is definitely very good recycling efforts that I've seen compared to maybe other places before where I've stayed. I think it can go one level higher personally. It's still there, but it can definitely go one level higher. But I think it's really understanding that key message, which you said in the very beginning was you know, your environment does affect you. It affects your psyche. And if your psyche is affected, it's going to affect your health, right? Your body is linked to your mind. Your mind is then linked to the environment. I mean, that's the entire discovery of epigenetics was that understanding that genetic information was going to be activated by the environment and not necessarily necessarily from the DNA itself. So I think it's it's such an important key message for many people to understand that you buy like to consciously make a decision to buy something is to understand that if you buy it you're gonna you know use it for such a long time but the act of throwing things away that no longer serve you and no longer create that joy within your life it's going to make you that much more mindful before you actually invest so it's almost like you have to have the letting go process sometimes before you can have the appreciation and that sort of awakening process would you agree yeah, definitely. And that's something I, you know, when I talk about like the benefits of decluttering, this is one of the things like, and it depends where you are in your life. Some people are really like mindful by default, you know, and they buy and they let go and they try to let go as, as much as possible, like resell things, reuse, donate. And then there are just, you know, others and all of us are programmed differently. All of us have different parents. All of us have different cultures, especially here in Amsterdam. It's like such a multicultural place. And it's really interesting to see like how different cultures deal with things differently. So everybody will have a different starting point, but I think anybody can benefit from that self-confrontation. Yeah, And and it's always a self-confrontation that is being the biggest trigger for a change. Yes, for sure. For sure. Like change does not happen until you sort of face yourself and figure out how are you standing in your own way. So then if we could just very quickly touch upon like what kind of tips would you give to people? So for example, you said you work with families a lot, right? And a lot of families have this issue where, for example, you buy or people gift you toys or you buy toys or people gift you lots of things and you have the boxes, do you keep these boxes because maybe you want to give these toys again or you want to donate these toys or do you throw away boxes? And this goes for anything like electronics or, you know, I don't know, bedding, furniture, sometimes, uh, you know, chair that comes with a table. Like, do you, what do you do about boxes? I mean, okay, let's start with the toys. <laughs> so if you're asking me about boxes, for example, if you get a toy, 
and you know that your kid is not going to play with it or you get a toy and you already have it or you have something similar to it and you know like oh uh, thank you you know it's really nice that I got this gift but actually it's it's not being of any use to me with a lot of people I am in every household almost I'm establishing a section in their house which is called re-gifting space and I, it depends I like that my- actually a lot I mean not to say to any of my viewers who are actually my friends and giving me things we are using them <laughs> I will tell you we, we do <laughs> But no, it's, there are some times that things get given that are exactly the same. And you're just like, when you receive it, you're like, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. So I could even talk about just on the topic of gifting, right? There is so much guilt. It's so much guilt. And okay, let let me sidetrack in here. It's like when you're receiving gift, the person who's giving you the gift should be giving you the gift because it's the act of giving that person doesn't have any way how he or she could monitor you how much are you using this gift because then it's not a really act of giving anymore you know like no one should police you about whether you're using what they gave you or not it's your pure decision what you're using so that's like for those people who are feeling really guilty for like not using things that they are being gifted like just it's the act of giving Right. And then what you do with it as a receiver, it's and then it's the act of receiving, like you receive it, and then you know that there is some kind of mutual like sympathy, like oh thank you, you know, like it's the act, it's not about the thing, it's about mm-hmm. the act. And of course, if the thing is useful, like that's plus plus, you know, but but as that. So I would have a client and she had this huge painting all across her wall, big black Buddha painting, and it didn't fit her home decor at all. And she said, I am only having it in here because someone gave it to me. And I always receive a Buddha. And when I give it away, I receive a bigger one. And this painting is so huge. I'm so afraid to give it away because I will receive like a really big one. And But at the same time, she had these very beautiful paintings from her grandma. And they were like really beautifully fitting her home decor and everything. And I was like, let's just put this painting down, like stop feeling guilty about it. She didn't get to the point where she would throw it away, but we hide it in, you know, behind the closet just so she doesn't have to look at it. And I was like, please just forgive yourself. Like, isn't that funny? Like it's something you don't even do it yourself. Someone gives you a gift and you feel guilty. Yeah. Like you didn't even do anything, right? Yeah. And also when you start being aware of all of these and gifts are such a big clutter in people's houses because they feel so guilty about giving it away. So they are keeping things a lot just for that sake. And I would say, you know, if it's a gift from someone like very dear to you and had a really hard time and at that time gave you this gift, like, okay, maybe, you know, it's totally fine to receive it, to keep it. And maybe you can just put it in a memory box or something. But I really like to actually learn how to say no when people are giving you something so again it's that self-reflection of when you're decluttering your gifts and yes okay it's different when it's your birthday or something but sometimes people are just trying to impose things on you Mm. so when you're going through that self-confrontation of decluttering gifts that would hopefully help you in the future to say no So with that client that I just mentioned with a big painting, she had more things of that in her home. And I said, well, your lesson is to learn how to say no when people are trying to impose something on you. 
Right. And then, for example, with parents, like I had this time when I was working with a parent and she had such a hard time letting go of things. And she was like, yeah, I just can't get it out of my life. But you know what? Let me give it to my daughter. And I was like, oh, so you're just giving your problems to your kid. And she was like, I never thought of that. Like, Mm. I just thought I'm giving her a present. And I was like, no, 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 you're just giving her your problems. And this is something that my clients are trying to do to me all the time, right? Like they are decluttering shoes and they are so perplexed and they're like, what size feet do you have? And I'm like, you're not giving me your troubles. Like, no, thank you. And I sort of teach them that it's okay to say no, thank you. Like, you know, I say, I love books. So then we're decluttering books with my client and she's like, but this book is really great. Why do just take it, just take it. (laughs) And I'm like, no, thank you. Like, you know, and learn this for yourself as well. Mm. That's the whole like guilt and gifting part. Very fascinating. So that's why I have a re-gifting place in everyone's house. And it's not necessarily re-gifting. It can be when you go to an event and you get things for free or you work for a company and that company, like let's say it's a clothing company or shoe company and they keep giving you their products for free and you're like, I'm not going to wear this. It's really great to have that place in your house when you're like, next time it's someone's birthday or next time my family comes for visit, this is the place where I just store all the things that I'm not going to use. So creating a transitional place in your house for gifts is a really good way. And especially if you're receiving a lot of gifts, like your teacher or, you know, and kids give you gifts or parents give you gifts or can't think of any other profession at the moment, like just take it in and then let it go again. (laughs) I really like that. Okay. So then when it comes to bigger things than the boxes and stuff for those, what would you do? (laughs) Okay. So with the boxes, I mean, it really depends on like, why are you actually keeping it? Right. So are you keeping it because you're going to try to sell it? And then if you're selling it, how much more worth is it going to have if it's in a box? And if you have unopened things, let's say, yeah, it's electronics and it's like totally untouched and unopened, maybe you want to keep it in a box. But if it's something you're using on a daily basis and it's like dirty and used anyways, like why would you try to stuff it back to the box just so it looks a little bit better, right? I think people should realize they're paying for the thing itself and not for the box. And unfortunately, the way shops are displaying things in their boxes You know, like it happens quite a lot with electronics, but it also happens a lot with toys. Hmm. Like you have these humongous boxes and there is like few toys, but then there is this big mold of plastic and the toys are just displayed one next to other. And then you're buying this huge box and your kid gets this huge box and he or she thinks they're getting this huge present. And then they open it and there's like, few toys inside of it so I would say like just chuck these boxes like straight away don't even even if you're playing with the toy like it's more effort to put the toys back to that mold and to that box than to just drop it in a basket or you know so you need to realize that like boxes are there most of the time for the wow effect rather than for anything else Mm. when it comes to like tv or or something that can break that's a different story Of course, if you have a TV that comes in a box and it has a padding so the TV doesn't get broken, that's, of course, you know, a different story. So I would say TV boxes and like expensive computer boxes are 
probably the only boxes that I tend to keep with my clients. But apart from that, like just recycle it. <laughs> it's okay. And if you know you are buying it because you want to resell it, like it's always just about what's the plan, right? Mm. Are you keeping it to resell it? Are you keeping it? to return it, for example. So maybe you are waiting for the time when the guarantee expires and then you can get rid of the box or you need to just find out like, okay, this product is working well. And I'm talking mostly about electronics and like bigger, bigger electronics. You know, okay, this microphone, is it working well? Do I have to send it back? Okay, it's working fine. I like it. I don't have to send it back. I can get rid of the box, you know? Mm, okay. So then what other, you know, like when it comes to, I think the last really like tip that I would like to ask really is about paper, because I feel like we have lots and lots of papers around and everything feels so important to keep as well with paper. So do you have a tip on like how to organize papers and being okay to let go of papers? I mean, that is a really tough one. And I'm really happy that we're getting into the digital era when we have less and less paper. Knowledge? is the most important thing in here. So knowing what you have to keep and knowing what you don't have to keep is the most, that's the answer, right? So we are only keeping paper, not because we love to look at it, but we are only keeping it because it contains information and it comes from this authority that we are like, can I throw it away? Or am I gonna get into trouble if I throw it away? You know, what if, 10 years down the road, a a man in a black suit is going to show up by my door and wants to see this particular paper. And these things can happen, right? Like if you have a business, anything for tax purposes, you need to know, okay, how many years do you have to keep your records as as an entrepreneur? How many years do you have to keep your records as an employee? And just, you know, and I am actually still trying to figure this out because there is always new things that come up with my clients, right? So I have some basic guidelines and it's, and I'm not mentioning specific things because it's going to be totally different for every country. You know, it can be like anywhere between five to 10 years when you have to retain paper for tax purposes, but then you have like insurance policies and invoices and, you know, there's just like so much and you just need to get informed about what you're allowed to let go what is enough to have in a digital version and most of the time it's always enough to have in a digital version at this time yeah just do your research you know talk to an accountant or an organizer to really help you with that and I know that really isn't an easy one Mm. Yeah. Also, what I see a lot when it comes to paper clutter is that there is a lot of unimportant paper, like inserted between the important paper. Right. Yeah. Like weeding out the things you know you can throw away already. Mm. Like that's already going to like reduce it by 50%. And like try not to take papers inside your home and, you know, have a system where you know, okay, any incoming paper lands here. And it can be a tray in your off, like home office or it can be a place on your kitchen countertop or something. But like incoming post lens here. And then when I'm dealing with it, it's here. And while I'm dealing with it, it stays here. It's my open project. So in, let's say, in home offices or in like everyone's home, you know, we have this folder and I call it an open project. So until you deal with that project, it's your visual to do. This is something mm-hmm. that needs to happen. Then once you go through it, you put it in another place and that's the place where you're like, I need to file it. Right. Or 
there is a bin right under it. And if you don't need to file it, just shred it straight away or recycle it straight away. So that's a, that's a good tip. Cause I think a lot of people, we sort of just leave it and then we'd collect it and then we're just like, Oh wait, then that we did, did we do that? I don't know. Oh, let's look at like things on our desk and yeah. <laughs> what's there. So that's really good. So having a place where, you know, you, you see it, you then attend to it. It's an open project. It's a closed project. Either you file it or you throw it and then just make it that really, really that exactly. simple. That's so, amazing. So you have a mm. filing system where is the archive of your paper mm-hmm. and hopefully you have some system in it. But it's also fine if you don't have a system in it. Like if, let's say, if you have very high ADHD and you just can't do your papers and you know that even when you're filing it, you will just dump it into that important paper box and that's also fine because then you know that if you're looking for something important, it will probably be in that box. So Yeah, so make a system that makes sense for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like if you love to go to the very details of, you know, like I'm creating this sort of like pyramid for people to be like, this is a household. And then within those categories, you have like a mortgage and then you have a manuals, you know, but some people are like, no, 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 that's not going to work for me. And I'm like, fine, let's just have important paper box. And that's good enough. You know, that's who you are. A little bit harder to retrieve things, but also we don't need to retrieve them so often. So you okay. archive organized to the point that suits you. Hmm. And then you have that like active paperwork cycle. So incoming, you open it, you are like, okay, do I need to do something about it? Is it just information I need to put in my phone and that's it? Or is it a bill I have to pay and I'm, you know, not having a time at the moment, so I will pay it next week? Or is it whatever? Some, mm. some, so you leave it on your to-do place. Once that's dealt with, you just put it in either filing or you put it in a bin. Right. And the big tip for everyone is like having bins in your house, in every room of your house is actually really like an easy thing how to prevent clutter. So if, you know, especially with your paperwork, like have a bin right where you're dealing with your paperwork and preferably you have like paper recycling bin in there. Have a bin in your kids' rooms because the kids will be just, you know, they will be taking on so many things in their rooms. And then just knowing like, hey, this is a bin and anything you're not using, it's fine to throw it in. Like if it's broken or if it's a stone you brought from outside and you're not using it anymore. I would have a lot of like, it's and it's surprising. It's like such a simple thing, but you would be surprised how many houses you go to and there is not a bin where there should be a bin. Mm. Under your makeup table, like, have a bin because things will just start piling on the surface and you're like, yeah, 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 this is, I need, I will throw this later, but the bin is so far away. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So that's really, really simple tips. And I think one thing that I'd like to really ask is like, what do you think is the benefit of working with a professional organizer as opposed to doing it yourself? Do you think there are people who are like, you know, probably better to, to hire a professional organizer? Is there a kind, is there a type? Like me. I mean, a type is someone who is just really busy and doesn't have time, right? So it's like get a bit more realistic with where you're standing in your life. And also, so there are people who would love to do that, but they don't have the time. Okay, like then just get a help, you know, and and, and do it. Then there are people who don't have the focus. And it can be because they are neurodiverse or 
for anything else. Get a help, someone who keeps you accountable, someone who's like there to, you know, to just be there and making sure it's going to happen. And then there are also people who just really hate organizing, right? So why would you, why would you go through the pain yourself if you can have someone to help you with it? So those would be the types of people that usually reach out. And when I'm saying that I work with parents a lot is because they usually fall into the first category that they just don't have so much time. But in general, the benefit of working with someone else is the accountability. I think that's like number one and objectivity. So if I'm going to come to your house, I am not attached to your, you know, hairband or whatever. I don't care where you have been wearing it around the world. Like for me, it's just a hairband. And then I, yeah, I can just see things a little bit more objectively. And that doesn't mean that we are going to throw away everything that I think, you know, isn't good enough. I very well take in account people's emotions, people's sentimental attachment to things. Like I will never throw away anything that, you know, that you're not ready to let go. But just that objectivity when I'm like, why are you holding on to it? Right. And okay, if it's for sentimental reason, then it, then it comes to the field of emotions. And then what emotions does it stir in you? Are you keeping it out of a guilt? And most of the time, that's like number one reason why people are holding on to stuff. So, oh, it was given to me or I have never used it, you know? And so I'm keeping it because I'm hoping that one day I'll use it and then I'll feel better about myself and about the 50 euros I spend on it, you know? Like, no, let's get objective here. Like, I am your mirror, basically, Mm. right? And so I said, it's good to do it with someone. You can do it with anyone. You can do it with your parents, with your partner, with your friends. But then the added benefit of doing it with a professional is that we won't judge you. Mm. And I think any good professional organizer is non-judgmental. Like, I don't care what you're having in your house. I don't care you know, how much you paid for it. I don't care what traumas or troubles cost you get into this space. People feel so ashamed. Yeah. You know, sometimes I come to people's houses and there are like mountains of clutter falling onto me and I will not judge you. It's okay. Like, this is where you are. Let's just work with that. If you are working with a friend, you might feel embarrassed. If you're working with a friend, you might, you know, for the sake of keeping the friendship the way it is, maybe you don't really want to sort of walk your best friend down that dirty road of your troubles, you know, because then you're feeling bad for taking their time and, and things like that. So, and working with parents usually is quite difficult because then you get to the gifting section and <laughs> your mom will not allow you to throw anything that she gave you. Yeah, there's so, that. <laughs> and, you know, like, And that's something that I really appreciate about, like, I love my work. And something I love the most is how vulnerable people get. It's not only that I get to all of your drawers in your house, but I also get to all the emotional drawers. Sometimes I would have just my clients talking to me, right? Like sometimes they just need to, they just need to talk to someone. Mm -hmm. Like when you are letting go of something, you're feeling like, But that thing wasn't quite, you know, it was so significant for me in my life and it didn't quite get the appreciation that I was hoping it's going to get. Like, I feel like before I let it go, I sort of, I give it, I give it the spot that it deserves in my life by telling a story about what it's gone through. And I'm there to listen to all of the stories that you need to, to tell. Mm. If that helps you to make peace with the parting, like, 
I'm there for that as well. And sometimes it would be difficult to do that. I mean, you can't do that alone. Mm. You can tell the story to yourself, but you already know the story. And really, like most of the people, they just need to tell a story. Yeah. Like I've been through this and I was wearing this T-shirt when this happened. And, you know, then they gave me this pin on my T-shirt and it's so significant for me. And, right. you know. And they get I'm, so attached to to the object. Oh, that, you know, and it's so sad. I really want to let it go, but I couldn't. So can we do it together? Can we tell the story? Can we honor the thing that you're letting go of? And and then just, you know, send it its way to a new life, like put it to the secondhand store or something. Yeah. So those are really great tips. I mean, you know, you've already shared the paper filing system of, you know, having something that you put new things, you know, papers there, you deal with it, it goes to an open project folder that you can put. And then once you've completed dealing with it, you either shred it, paper, recycle it, or you store it if you really need to store it. And how long you need to store it, you decide on the longevity, if it needs to be five to 10 years, depending on the tax paper relating or taxation related things or business relating. But if it's something that's probably not necessarily going to make a huge difference in its on being in your space, then you can obviously get rid of it. The second is to have a re-gifting corner. I think that's fantastic. That's really, really important. And then finally, what you just said is just like when you have an item that had such a huge memorable sort of attachment to it, like an, a huge emotional attachment because of a memory or a situation that it's connected to or a person it's connected to, is to sit talk about that story, honor that story, honor that energy that 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 object, you know, has brought for you or creates for you. And then, you know, like honor it and then move on from it, like, like send it away with gratitude to the next stop that it needs to go to, whether it is to someone else, whether it is to a recycling point, whether it is to be broken down and reused as something else. And I think those are three amazing tips that you've given us today. I just wanted to ask like two last questions and like, can you give us like one really definitive story that you have? I'm sure you have many clients, but is there one where you really saw the impact of doing this work for them and how that really helped their life to change? That's a difficult one because it's, I would say the stories are not so breathtaking, you know, it won't put you to tears, but it's actually the little things like, so a very nice thing talking about the paper, I had a client and she just loved taking all leaflets to her house. And then at some point, every single drawer, every single room of her house was filled with paper. And then she didn't know whether that's the important paper or whether that's the leaflets or the magazines and stuff. And when we were going through the process, I said, okay, your learning here is don't bring things to your house that you don't need to. And then, you know, I always check in back with my clients after a while to just be like, you know, are you still on track? How is your maintenance going? Do you need any help? Like, do you need to talk about anything? And about a month later, you know, it, and it's just a little thing, but she would say, I went to a museum and I grabbed that leaflet to go home and then I turned and went back and put it back where I took it and then went home empty-handed. And that's just these that's little huge. things. Yeah, that's little, but it's huge, right? For her. Because for her, it's a different thing. And actually this year, I tend to work with a lot of clients that I worked with last year. Like I had a client and she got pregnant this year. So she's like, okay, I'm pregnant now. I need to remake my house again. Like I'll bring you back. Or I was working with clients last year and, you know, they were really happy. And then this year they were like, okay, we have gotten to the point where we have like, they moved into a house. So it was always like a project. And now they're like, okay, now we have all the decoration and everything. And we feel like we would like to see you again, just for the 
one more session or people call me back in because they want to do a garden shed now that it's a summer. And it's really nice when I see these people after one year and I come into the house and they say 90% of what you established has been working amazingly. Or I was calling with a client, so I had an online organizing with her. And last year I did hands-on kitchen organization. And it's like, okay, that's been half a year ago. And she just told me, it was last Monday, she was telling me, I must say just one thing, the kitchen is my most favorite place of the house. It's working so well. It's such a joy to cook. It's so easy to tidy up. It's amazing. So it's these little things, but it's really big for me to hear that. And I do receive messages of like, Lucy, you changed our life. Thank you so much. You know, we can spend more time with our family because we don't have to focus on tidying up the house all the time. Mm. It's no big breathtaking stories that would put you to tears, but it's the little things that make a big difference in someone else's life. Yeah. Absolutely. So then you mentioned that you do physical consults, obviously. So you're doing online consults and do you do workshops as well then, Lucy? I was doing a course last year. It was actually just like free, I called it organizing challenge, where I had, I don't know, 30 people and I would just give them like instructions for little things in the house, like things that are often a pain, Mm. like Tupperware boxes, like a food storage boxes in kitchen, you know, so I would just give them a guideline. So I'm like, okay, this is the time to declutter this. And, and every week we would go through a different thing throughout the whole month and a half. And that was working really well. And that made me think like, I need to do more of this thing because you can reach more people at one time. And yeah, so eventually it would be wonderful to do workshops and everything. But at the moment, I'm so busy with the one-to-one. And it's also so fulfilling to do the one-to-one because you can go really, really deep. Mm. So workshops are forming in my mind, that's for sure. And now the question is just whether I will have enough time to bring them to life. Mm. Well, we look forward to it because I I would love to jump on in a workshop and I'd love to share those details to the audience as well when they're listening in. But I think we're just going to have to end off now with the final question. And that is, what is the shift that you want to create with your work, Lucy? Well, mindfulness. Mm -hmm. So that's something we talked about, like when you confront yourself with everything you have and with the way you live it's not really only about what you have but also how you live right mm. your behavior patterns am i an impulsive shopper am i this person who has really hard time letting go just bring some mindfulness to it know where it comes from and you know if it doesn't serve you how can you start changing it and as i said this is the first step to change it's the easiest one you start with your environment, with your house, and you you have a look at, okay, how, how is everything working in here? Because it's a reflection of what's inside. And, you know, I'm not a psychologist and I will not go there with people. But once we find certain patterns in their behavior, maybe we can see, okay, what is the next direction you could go to? Do you need to go and see someone else, you know, to help you with your shopping addiction or something? So just mindfulness is is the word I would say environment and personal Mm, wonderful well thank you so much Lucy thank you everyone for tuning in and we'll see you soon thank you thank you